everyone, and welcome to episode 131 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing? Doing good. I am a little tired, running off four hours of sleep. I uh, I was cleaning the apartment last night, and then I just couldn't fall asleep, maybe because the dog was at the parents, and I'm just so used to her being kind of at the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I turned to the next best option to sleep, which is Michael Jordan highlight reels. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. He's yeah. so good. Him, yeah. it, it was like a lot of interviews with him, like Kobe, and like kind of those fun stories back in the 90s. The prime. Mm. Yeah. So... Yes. Yeah, did you sleep? <laughs> I did sleep. I did, I did get some good sleep last night. I stayed up pretty late playing some good games, and then I've been watching a great show that's been keeping me up probably too late into the morning, but we'll get into that pretty shortly, Ryan. What we have to do is kick off the show, welcome everyone into our holiday special. I know we're a few weeks away uh, from Christmas still. Uh if you choose to celebrate, but Ryan and I have uh, a lot of fun episodes in the next few weeks, and if you're listening to this, we actually recorded this about a week ago uh, because Lauren and I, my wife, just have some plans that we have to get to in the next couple of weeks, so in case that Ryan and I cannot record on a particular weekend, we thought it might be helpful to pocket an episode, so uh, give everyone two weeks to listen to our recent um to train them is our cause pokemon special episode hopefully if you've listened to that you enjoyed it and if you haven't listened to it definitely go back and check that one out ryan and i included a lot of fun 90s television ads from when pokemon uh the earlier pokemon seasons were airing on wb kids and we also talked about our top five pokemon games our dream team selections for pokemon and uh, what else we talk about ryan just my perfect team that would destroy the worst rival, Red. That's right. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. So definitely go back and check out that episode if you have not had a chance to listen to it. But today, our holiday special, if you've been around with the Otaku Brothers podcast for a number of years, you'll know that uh, our very merry Otaku Brothers Christmas special usually has us opening gifts on air. And uh, we thought that how exciting could that possibly be for someone when Ryan and I are opening up these cardboard boxes, ripping through wrapping paper, and holding up these things that we've gifted each other when no one can actually see it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make things a little bit more exciting this year where we're still going to have a fun holiday-themed episode, but our gift exchange is actually going to be recorded on video, and Ryan and I are going to release that on YouTube here uh, in about a week and a half or so. By the time you're listening to this, it might already be up. Who's to say? But I think that'll be a little bit more fun, see our faces, see what we gifted each other, and uh, it should be a very jolly good time. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to like my gifts. Yeah? And it's definitely something you can't, I guess, communicate through a podcast. So the video format will be great. Yeah, I think you're going to like yours as well. I mean, if the current trend of gifts has anything to, like, tell me what you're going to get me, everything's been an art book, and it's really hard to, like, communicate art through it a is. podcast yeah you're definitely not prepared physically emotionally mentally spiritually wow for Shh. i'm ready to ascend <laughs> just pull off a bow and just become a god <laughs> yeah that's basically what's going to go down when you get this gift of yours. okay wow so, um just prepare you heard yourself. it here lots of hype <laughs> yeah the gift exchange is yeah. going to be awesome this year and i'm super super excited to uh give you your gifts but 
Ryan, as we always do in the Otaku Brothers podcast, before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of the episode, we get to talk about our weeks, what's been going down, then we'll get into the games that we've been playing recently, but what's been happening the past couple of days in your life? Well, we're coming off of Thanksgiving, so we're coming off of a four-day weekend. We, I personally had, you had like three Thanksgivings. I did. I had two Thanksgivings, so nothing too crazy. It's still a little chilly out, but... Got over to the gym, which is a good routine to start up again about five times this week, trying mm. to work off all those potatoes mm. <laughs> and all the turkey. Um, I was actually craving some turkey this week, so I, I might oh, ha- actually have to bake one if they're still in stock. They should be. Or, they should uh, be on clearance now. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing too crazy. Um, started a new game, which we'll get into here shortly. Nice. Um, and then shows pretty much just the same, uh, which is Seven Deadly Sins and... I don't think I watched any more Demon Slayer, but those are both animes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time this week, outside of playing with the dog, was spent at the gym. Good deal. What man. about yourself? You started uh, a few things. I did. Yeah, I started a new game. I started a new TV show. I'll get into both of those here pretty shortly. Uh, the things that I did this week, though, Lauren and I, my wife, we got out and about and did some fun things on Thursday. My mom and I've in- kind of encouraged both my parents to stop getting us gifts because we don't really need stuff anymore you know and uh we just want to experience as much as we can with them especially not that they're that old my my parents are in their late 50s early 60s but um you never know when your time's up right and so we definitely want to experience as much as we can so my mom got us uh my sister and i and her boyfriend um zoo light tickets so we have one of the most renowned zoos in the entire nation. Yes. Uh, it's very huge. They have a lot of great exhibits. And then every time, every year around Christmas, uh, they bring like a, a, the, the number, Millions the, the of count lights. of lights is absurd. Yeah. And they string up all kinds of beautiful Christmas lights across the zoo um, in the very central kind of section of the zoo. They have music playing, and the lights are synced up to the music. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I think the Columbus Zoo is the best, biggest, some statistic um, in the country, or in, in the U.S. with California, I think, be behind that. But mm. yeah, no, the the Christmas lights are definitely a huge attraction. Um, it's a really popular, like in high school, I don't know if you ever went there, um, it was like a dating kind of relationship spot. Oh, yeah. Um, and when yeah. Lauren and I were there, I mean, that was clearly yeah. what was going down. It was purely couples, most yeah. likely. Yeah. Um, but that was really fun. I mean, it's always nice to get out. And f- fortunately, it wasn't like too bitter cold. It wasn't snowing. I mean, by the time we were getting ready to leave, it was like low 40s. Okay. But I've been there when it's literally like five degrees outside yeah. and your toes are. So did they frozen. have like hot chocolate and things around or. They did. We didn't really get, uh, get into any of that uh, just because the lines for everything was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. We did because I hadn't eaten most of the afternoon and I don't think Lauren had either. So we got a soft pretzel. Oh. And we've kind of been spoiled with the local brewery that we go to. Shout out to our boy Sean out there if he's listening um, who works there now. They have some of the best soft pretzels ever. Oh, it's so good. And up until getting soft pretzels there, the last time I really got them was at like high school football games. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, yeah. so I didn't really remember like what are my standards? What's the bar for a soft pretzel? Is it set too high now well, that yeah. everything else is a they, failure? Yeah, his brewery has certainly spoiled us, especially with the beer cheese that they have. That's delicious. Yeah. So we thought, let's just grab a soft pretzel at the zoo. I mean, how bad could it possibly be? Yeah. 
And he's like, do you want cheese? I'm like, of course I want cheese. Who's gonna eat <laughs> what the hell kind of question is that? Who's going to eat a soft pretzel without cheese? And so, of course, it's like one of those, like, you peel off the top of it packet. Like, this stuff isn't homemade oh, fresh. Oh, okay. It's like cheese whiz kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, basically. This stuff is basically. <laughs> it's been in the freezer for the last, like, six months. It is yeah. one ingredient away from being plastic, basically, right? Mm. So Lauren and I both kind of take a little chunk of the pretzel and we start eating it. And I mean, this stuff is basically like recycled Amazon cardboard. Nice. It's not yeah. good at all. Delicious. So, not very tasty. And the cheese was pretty disgusting as well. Have but you ever had Auntie Anne's pretzels? Oh, those are, yeah. Those they're are, really good. Those are great. Yeah. That's, I think that's up there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have beer cheese. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, definitely good. Um, so yeah, outside of a not so memorable pretzel experience, the zoo lights were great. And then Laura and I actually took off the following day from work just because we had some days to burn and we just wanted to go out and do some stuff. And so she got word that our local science education center that I'd been going to most, mostly when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and they had a Marvel gallery there. Did you have like school field trips there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And so once you've seen all of the exhibits that they have, it's not really worth going back to unless you go back like every five to six years or so. But occasionally they'll have like random exhibits. And so in this instance, they brought in a Marvel gallery. Very nice. And so you had to pay a little bit of a premium to not only get into COSI, but also to get into that exhibit. But my goodness, was it absolutely worth it? So fortunately, we went right when they opened at 10 o'clock in the morning because we were off work. There was no yep. reason for us to go after hours. And hardly anyone there. So we were able to walk right up and they've kind of um, displayed everything where it's in a maze of sorts, kind of across all these different walls. And they had the most notable things that they had were actual props that they used in the suits that they've used in the films. So Thor's outfit, Black Widow, they had the recent outfits used for WandaVision. Wow. Like, which was probably filmed, what, a year and a half ago or something like that. So to have all of those things and to kind of see them all displayed was really neat. Um, The thing that probably was most interesting to me was to see the Green Goblin mask that William Dafoe used in the original Spider-Man. Wow, that's going back. Sam Raimi's. Yeah. So to see that on display was really neat. And then like an original uh, poster to kind of advertise and tease that the first Spider-Man was coming in, I think, 2002. Sam Raimi's with yeah. um, Tobey Maguire, that kind of stuff. Because I'm so nostalgic for those films because I watched them when I was a kid. Um, you know, there's no need to display Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man posters. No. Um, but yeah, so seeing all that was really neat. Uh, it was a little emotional, I guess, is the probably maybe the best word to see. Really? Which uh, one was the most emotional? Well, no, what I was getting at was oh. to see Black Panthers, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he yeah. passed away. Um, far, far too early. So that was rough. But the rest of the exhibit was just really neat. They displayed things in a way where you saw kind of the things you wanted to see up front. And in the middle, they had some things that maybe you didn't care as much about. And then towards the end, you ha- they had like a little Guardians of the Galaxy exhibit. They had a, um, a giant Groot replica head. And, That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, what was the stuff you cared less about? So you started uh, with the suits and then you got to Groot. The TV shows like Daredevil, Luke Cage. Oh, okay. They had all that kind of stuff on display too. I mean, Did you ever watch Daredevil? No. That one's actually pretty well shot. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. You should watch that one eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I, it's no secret that I've said a number of times in the podcast here that I'm a little burnt out with the Marvel stuff, but mm-hmm. seeing all that stuff on display 
kind of it ignited not nostalgia in me, but certainly an excitement to eventually go back and watch the entirety of the MCU up to this point. Uh, because beyond Endgame, I just don't have a whole lot of interest outside of um, No Way Home. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably in the same boat with you. So, yeah, that was really neat. But, uh, yeah, we went to that little exhibit, and then we went to uh, lunch and got some ramen. So Yeah, it looked delicious. Pretty terrific afternoon and a good day playing hooky, getting out of work and doing some fun things. Yeah, I got a text, I think it was in the evening. You're like, okay, I'm, we're going to like the lights. And then in the morning, you're like, hey, we called off work. <laughs> we're going to do more fun shit. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually watched a video on, it was some VHX, or VHX, basically the people who do all the special effects. Mm. They reviewed the three Spider-Man 2 kind of CGI. So going back to the one with Doc Ock, the one with Electro for Garfield, and then the most recent one with Mephisto or whatever. <laughs> Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. And they were breaking down the scenes to say, like, what do you think is real in this Doc Ock scene? And there were a lot, those arms are actually a lot of the time puppets. Mm. And you have people in chairs off camera, actually in these like kind of thrones with like levers, actually controlling all of the movements of the claw itself That's to make it look really cool. Yeah. And then they were breaking down the scene on how they did, there was like a fight between Doc Ock and Spider Man on the side of a building. Like how they went about CGIing that one to make it look cool. Hmm. It's really an interesting video. Um, you could probably just look at VHX uh, explains Spider-Man Two. Worth watching for sure. Very cool. Yeah. No Spider-Man Two. I mean, like I said, probably a month or two ago, I went through the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies again. They hold up to me very well. Even three people gave it so much crap when it first came out, but uh, watching it, you know, thirteen years removed at this point. Uh, it's not conclusive in the way I wanted it to be. I wish they had a fourth and even fifth Spider-Man movie like they were planning. It's definitely disappointing to see that Tobey Maguire didn't get to don the suit again. But 13, 14 years later, that's actually coming true. Hopefully. And I hope that he has some serious screen time in No Way Home. Do you know why he wasn't able to do four and five? I think creative differences. I think mm. uh, I read up on it when I was watching or rewatching that trilogy again I think Sam Raimi wanted to take the series in a certain direction, but Sony or some, you know, high up executive wanted to take it in a different direction. Both Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire were were all in on mm-hmm. doing a fourth and fifth. It was and, probably Sony's fault. And then something happened. Someone got in the way of it and it didn't happen. Sounds about right. And at that point, they were yeah. like, we need to keep making Spider-Man movies. So get a new guy in here. Exactly. So. Yeah. Have you seen the two Andrew Garfield ones? I have once. Okay. Um, I remember my Was roommates. There three of them or two of them? There's two. Okay. I remember my roommates watching them in college, and I don't remember them fondly. I really don't remember what happens in either film, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, I'm not even gonna watch either of them in preparation for No Way Home, just because I just don't feel like there's a need. Yeah, I mean, he's Spider-Man. I think there's an electric guy. I don't even know who the villain was in the first one. You, I, I guess all we need to know is he was a Spider-Man at one time, and that's his contribution to uh, the Spider-Verse. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, Ryan, why don't you get us kicked off with the games that you've been playing recently? Sure. Uh, I played two games this week. Um, nothing too crazy. So as f- I think last time we talked about Pokemon, I mean, it was obviously last episode, 
um, where we talked a lot about Pokemon, but I think where I left off in Brilliant Diamonds or the remakes was I was at the second gym. Mm, Does that -hmm. that ring a bell? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I beat the second gym and I got a bike. That's about it. I haven't made a ton of progress. I'm loving my experience so far. Um, Talking to my friend Ben, who has beaten the Elite Four and is currently going after uh, the Pokedex. Mm, He mm -hmm. said it ramps up its difficulty and XP share doesn't become an issue. Oh, nice. Which is really good news. Um, and then as far as the national decks go, um, which makes sense in this context, is it has the first four generations mm. and not like anything after. Well, that's so, kind of nice. Yeah, it is. So it's like what it would be when it was originally released. Mm-hmm. So I think Ben was saying there's like 490, which isn't terrible. And then to unlock the uh, national decks, you have to see, not catch, but see every Pokemon in the region first and a lot of that can be accomplished just by facing trainers okay that's cool and then so i did that um there are a few patches this week i think there was one it was like 1.12 and the main thing this fixed is there was a duping glitch um there's a few different ways there was one through the daycare and there's also one where you could literally copy your entire box or one box in the computer so everything in there you could basically copy and paste to a different box oh. using a screen glitch. So Rick, being the perfectionist or wanting to breed Pokemon eventually, went on Etsy. And so there is a way that you can basically download your save onto a flash drive, put it in a computer, and hackers edit everything about the Pokemon. Mm. So usually for breeding, you want a ditto perfect ivs in every skill and then you want it from a different region so it helps double the uh, shiny rate so people are selling pokemon on etsy through the underground the (laughs) black market of pokemon the the darker side um so he bought a perfect ditto for like 399 or something yeah i Um, figured they were going about four or five hundred bucks yeah no now they are because the glitch is patched um and then he also bought a larvitar a perfect Larvitar, adamant nature, shiny. So he gave me one of those after he duped it. So Ben, he uh, he was duping Master Balls. And then also there was this new thing called the Ability Patch. Hmm. Um, the Ability Patch is like, there. I don't know if you ever went to Battle Towers in the previous gens. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so in the Battle Towers, as you get higher up, you get more battle points. And you're able to buy different buffs or things to improve your pokemon so usually you can get like iron protein carbs and stuff which yeah. raises the evs of by 10 of whatever skill or pokemon you give it to but the highest thing at 200 uh, battle points is the ability patch and this is cra- it's in a crazy overpowered item and usually you'd have to breed out for this is it automatically uh changes the ability of your pokemon that you give it to from their basic ability to their hidden ability. So for like a Dragonite, as I was saying, like last episode, say it's levitate, which is a crappy ability um, for a base, which isn't correct, but just for hypothetical, say it's base ability is levitate and it's hidden ability is multi-scale, which basically allows it to be really tanky, for super effective or the first move that it takes. I can give my Dragonite a 
ability patch and it automatically changes to a hidden nature. Oh, okay. Which is extremely strong for building competitive Pokemon. Um, and usually to get those hidden abilities, sometimes you had to pull them from previous generations because they could no longer learn those. Now, is this considered legal in the competitive scene? Yeah, I mean, it's built into the game. Okay. So there is a way to get these, but what we did, uh, we duplicated them using the glitch. Mm-hmm. So I have four. I have four perfect dittos and four perfect Larvitars. Wow. Because all I want is a amazing Tyranitar. And he's actually, I think he's OU or overused in this generation, which which is pretty strong. Um, I've seen some competitive matches for him, and he's really good. Um, but yeah, so that was a thing. Basically, how the glitch worked, and I'm not going to go too into it, is if you did LRL, wait, ZLZR plus A, you could basically trigger your kind of menu screen that had like Pokemon bag and all that on top of itself. And you were able to go through Pokemon into your Pokebank and then duplicate through there. Interesting. And that was not intended. People are probably going to get banned for it if they're using those duplicated Pokemon in competitive scenes. And then there's also a way to use that glitch to basically spawn a Shaman, uh, which you're not. they didn't want you to get. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of pissed that they patched it because I wanted a bunch of these items and Pokemon, but for the integrity of the game, I completely get it. Yeah. But overall, completely uh, fun experience so far. For well, I'm glad they, um, the experience share kind of quiets down a little bit in the towards. Yeah, the I was really happy. I was worried that it was going to be difficult, like not difficult or not. It was going to be like Sword and Shield, mm-hmm. where like. You one-shot every Pokemon and it, like, holds your hand way too much. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and, like, one of the Team Rocket guys, it was, like, that buff cat. Like, the bulky. He was extremely bulky. And I was, like, five levels over him for a lot of my guys. And he was just, because of how buff he was, I couldn't actually, like, kill him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been some challenging bosses. Good. So far. Or Pokemon. Good deal. Yeah. And then besides that, I started a new game. Heck yeah. You earlier in the week had texted me and said, hey, you need to play Final Fantasy 15. It's like your weekly reminder. It is. Yeah, yeah no, I know. It is pretty much every week. And my rebuttal to that is, that's cool, but I'm going to one up and say, I'm going to go into Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Yeah, that's a you know nice alternative, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's... It's great. Um, having, I'm really glad I played the original, uh, at least through where this game covers, so I can appreciate it in all of its beautiful glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, it's had the same story beats. Um, I'm just, what's the name of? Is it mid? It's not Midgard. Whatever the city's name is, it's it's crazy seeing it at that scale, and then being able to visually compare it to like how chunky cloud looked before like his shoulders were boulders like walking through that street and just being able to kind of like run around the town um yeah i'm two hours in i've gotten past kind of the first entrance area um i've had that one major kind of boss fight uh with that robot i think that was definitely in the original 
Um, and there's, I think there's more Sephiroth stuff from what I remember in mm-hmm. the original game. I think there was like one scene in the original. Um, Aerith is adorable. Yeah, she is. I just want more of her. And then I just met. So do a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Chrono Link, we're looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she's like your interactions with her in the original. She was just a cute character, but like the actual amazing graphics that we have now it's just like okay i see i see why everyone's like weaving out for her Mm because like i'm about to embrace that life (laughs) for Aerith. um and then so after you kind of get back to the town there clouds wanting to be paid you meet tifa Mm -hmm. your uh, family friend from when you're kids um and i forgot how cute what's his name barrett barrett's kid was Mm -hmm. like she was cute in the original too like her dialogue you're like oh and then you see her and then barrett just comes up as like this giant with like this rippled chest yeah like defined collarbones and you're like damn all right uh i want him to be my buff daddy (laughs) (laughs) but no yeah like i i met with tifa she showed me around a little bit and there's it seems like there's going to be a lot more depth and i don't know the end plot Mm -hmm. or to anything past leaving midgard but it seems like they're going to explore a little bit more of that Mm -hmm. in midgard itself yeah from what's in the original because i think the original took me like seven hours to get out of midgard and this is like a 35 30 hour game drop the d i don't think there's it's midgard i think is like midgar yeah okay yeah i'm thinking maybe uh yeah Thor and stuff yeah, like Ragnarok that. Yeah, Ragnarok and stuff. Yeah. All right, Midgar. Yeah. Yeah, so the and it's interesting to see what's being added on. Right mm-hmm. now I'm kind of opening up the shops and it's a good time. It is. Yeah. I'm so glad you finally dropped uh jumped on the Final Fantasy 7 remake train and I think it is very important to at least it was for me and I think it was for you too to at least play up into the point in the original so you could appreciate it. I think the experience, um, you can absolutely still fall in love with that game and, and get enjoyment out of it, not having played the original, but being able to see those claymation PS1 graphics come to life and fully realize 3D on the PS4, PS5 is stunning. Yeah, I mean, it's. I like being able to see the progression. Like, it would be the same way that seeing, like, I played a little bit of Chrono Trigger. Um, being able to see that one become, which is like renowned every the classic seeing that translate into a newer game would be cool or even like just a simple game like smash bros mm-hmm. playing the original 64 and then appreciate the jump to brawl and then how crazy it's gotten melee, but yeah or melee mm-hmm. yeah and then through brawl four and then now where we're at mm-hmm. it's that progression and being able to appreciate like i remember when there was like four frames and now they've got more frames yeah. <laughs> significantly more. i was gonna say 60 but it's definitely not 60 frames with the nintendo lag but yeah no i i'm loving my time with it what do you think of the combat you know turn-based versus the more action heavy can you toggle that i think you can toggle that right i don't believe so okay chrono's correction corner if we're wrong but i'm pretty thought, sure it's i thought i heard like when before it even came out that there was you could do the more action-based, or you can toggle it. Mm. I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I like being able to switch between characters. Yes, that's um, great. Like switching to Barrett to kill some of the wall guns, mm-hmm. or if I need him to heal me, I can switch over real quick, pop off a heal, 
And I like how that it slows down time enough for you to do that. Yeah. Like if it was going to like, hey, the robot's still running around shooting me and I'm trying to like quickly uh, do a lot of buttons, that wouldn't be a lot of fun. But it slows down time enough that you can go like, okay, all right, I want the spell. I want it to go to cloud. All right, switch immediately. Mm -hmm. He's doing his thing as it processes the move. um, And then I can go back to cloud. What difficulty are you playing on? I, was it normal? There's like, I think, standard, normal, and hard, or maybe just normal and hard. There, yeah, I'm doing the normal one. It said, like, this is for the optimum experience, or, okay. like, this is the regular experience. Um, Yeah. I'm I, pretty sure I played on the easiest difficulty, so maybe one step below you. But even in that, with some of the boss battles, you couldn't just button mash your way to victory. There is some nuance to the strategy of, you know, needing to switch between characters and using a particular spell. Um, yeah, I so didn't have, like, I think the first boss, they wanted you to use electricity or something, and all my dudes knew fire, so I was like, well, shit, all right, you're telling me, Cloud's, like, yelling at me, like, use electricity, use electricity, I'm like, you need to learn electricity, you fuck, like, <laughs> don't tell me what to do, I can't teach you stuff, um, but, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it, like, the the first boss, you have to go after a specific place, on the boss to weaken it. Um, the first boss was really bulky. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a while. You mean like when you set like the bomb? You set the bomb and the big robot comes mm-hmm. and then it. you have to like weaken its shield. And yeah, it's it's a long boss fight. It was like 10 minutes plus. It's definitely no joke. Like Yeah. It- and I was like just, I don't know. He was just gulping potions for me. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then getting... Being able to customize your sword, I don't, I can't remember. Could you do that in the original? Like plug in those little power ups for your sword to give you abilities. Yeah, I you think have, you could. You have materia. Okay. Well, being able to switch those out at any time was really nice. Mm-hmm. Like running through the kind of broken down buildings and seeing like the aftermath of you blowing up the reactor. Um, and then there's a bunch of enemies there, and I didn't want to just keep drinking potions because I feel like I'm going to need them eventually. Um, being able to quickly swap screens, throw in a cure um, thing, pop off a cure, and then switch it back out to whatever like dodge ability I have. It was really nice to use, mm-hmm. especially through crates and things. You could replenish your MP. So, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying my time with it. I definitely see why everyone's loving on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe this jump starts my Final Fantasy career. Nice. That's good stuff. Yeah, and it's probably a pretty decent place to start, too. Not not the place I'd really recommend people to start, but, I mean, you've had some experience with other Final Fantasies before, and uh, you'll definitely be hearing more about Final Fantasy VII Remake come end of the year yeah. discussion with Game of the Year Coming just around the corner. It is. Um, it's. I don't know if it's worrying, but it's a pretty long game. I don't want to rush through it. Luckily, towards Christmas time period, I have two weeks off through mm-hmm. New Year's, um, so I'd really, I'd really like to finish that game or at least have conclusive thoughts for the game of the year discussions. Um, but if I, I if I don't get there, at least I'll be able to talk through what I have done. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of memorable moments in that game, too. And uh, the pacing is is really well done. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about some of the later parts. Do the side stuff or the side quests hinder or slow it down too much in your 
mind? Not really, because it's definitely not treated like a Skyrim or like a Witcher where you feel like a sense of obligation to do these 45 side quests before going to the next thing. Okay. And I think you could also beeline the story, too, and not really feel a need to do much of the side stuff. And then my other question is, is there grinding in this game? Because in the original, you had, like, random encounters. Is there random encounters or you run around and, like, kill stuff for XP? There's definitely areas where you can farm XP Again, I was playing on the easiest difficulty, so I didn't feel a need to do that. I also don't think it's one of those games where you farm a bunch of XP and just steamroll the game because there is kind of um, an exclamation point on the strategy of combat. So you do need to prioritize that as opposed to just like Dark Souls level up 45 times and then just. Well, yeah, I I was more curious for like, say, one night I want to just like watch Netflix Mm -hmm. and just grind out some xp i think for that then you prioritize side quests okay because those are kind of fetch questy go kill this monster over here go send this letter to this other person there like there's definitely room for some netflix binging okay cool yeah yeah so that's all i've played um two great games i mean it's only been a week so nothing too crazy Mm -hmm. um but yeah next time we record i'll definitely have more thoughts good stuff looking forward to it glad you're liking pokemon glad you started final fantasy 7 remake for sure I played some uh, one really interesting game, so kind of piggybacking on your Pokemon conversation. I also uh, beat the second gym, cool, and got a uh, got a car. I wish <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a bike. Nice, and that's, second to a car. Yeah, yeah, and that's about where I'm at too. Okay, and Pokemon. Cool. So I'll definitely be picking that up here. Uh, I have some time off during Christmas as well. I took the week of Christmas off, so. I'll be playing more Pokemon and more of this other game here. Did, did you go to the underground? I did, and then I went right back out. It's like a surprising level jump, but there's some really cool Pokemon. Yeah. Um, I saw like a Houndor or Houndoom there, which was cool. And then I got a Togepi. Oh, cool. Uh, because to- it's not, is it Togekiss? It's Togepi, Togetic, Togekiss. Togekiss is really good, mm. um, but fuck. Tokopi is adorable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I, maybe I changed out my Gia dude, but hmm. yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. Um, I haven't really explored the, I don't know if you've explored like breaking down walls and like finding statues to no. manipulate stuff. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. In time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, the one game that I spent most of my time playing this week, and I'll just say, Ryan, no one's above reproach on this podcast. That's true. And I'm also happy to eat my words when I say something many times on this podcast, and then I eventually have to eat those words and say, you know what? I was wrong. And I was definitely wrong about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's good. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked a number of times when this game first came out um, that... Why does anyone need to play any Assassin's Creed for 60, 60 plus hours in order to reach the conclusion of the story? But I needed an open world game around this time of year to play. Uh, Put a couple hours into Skyrim, but it just wasn't really scratching the open world itch for me. Okay. I got Far Cry 6, one of my most anticipated games of the year, and it's just not structured like the earlier Far Cry games, and the story wasn't really gripping me. Okay. I just wasn't really on board with the game at that point. I'll go back to it eventually. I'm not completely writing it off, but it wasn't really doing it for me. And I thought, you know, I bought Assassin's Creed Valhalla because it was on sale for 20, 25 bucks on PS5. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to, I'm going to be in the mood to get into an Assassin's Creed game 
and at least give the series one more try, especially post like the Black Flag Assassin's Creed 3 era where they kind of went into the Origins, Odyssey, now Valhalla gameplay structure. Where it is a little bit more RPG, it's far more open world, there's a lot more to do. It's not based around so much the animus and like a collective kind of timeline like the first three were. Exactly. Um, Or brother, I don't know where Brotherhood falls, but at least the first three were all about a cohesive plot. And then they kind of branched off and like, oh, the revolution looks cool. Like, what if we throw someone in there with a hatchet? Exactly. (laughs) So. Exactly. So I thought, you know, let's just give Valhalla a try. Uh, perfect game to waste, uh, I shouldn't say waste, but get lost in an open world for dozens of hours over the holidays, and I'm completely taken aback. I eat my words, I'm having such a good time with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'll give a, this is literally the Wikipedia copy-paste dump of the high-level story, just so people understand and have the scene set for them. In AD 873, political pressures in Norway prompt the main protagonist, Eivor, and his adoptive older brother, Sigurd, to lead their clan of Vikings to settle new lands in Anglo-Saxon England as part of the Viking expansion across Europe. So the real gameplay loop here is you eventually settle down, kind of like in northeastern England, and you have this territory that there's nothing there really. Once you get there, there's basically a bunch of posts that if you read them, it says, oh, this is eventually going to be the stables where you have your horses. This is eventually going to be a brewery where you can come after your long raids and stuff like that. And so the gameplay loop is you do have this main hall and there's this woman there that has this giant map and the map has a number of different territories that you've yet to conquer. And so the gameplay loop is you pick a territory to conquer based on your level so obviously early on in the game, you start at level zero yeah. and the more you conquer, the more you level up your character and your skill tree, your power level increases. So you're able to then go into those other territories that are ranked 50, 70, 80, 90, so on and so forth. And when you activate one of those territories, the whole thing of it is you get on your little Viking boat, you sail over there, you talk to some character and that initiates this quest line. And each quest line uh, could take anywhere from, you know, two hours to five hours. Okay. And the whole purpose of that quest line is to gain an alliance with that group of people saying at the very end of the quest line, like, someday I'm going to need to call on you for aid. So you're basically working up to eventually fighting a king, fighting some random king. Or... Yeah. As a kind of an end game boss. How many territories are there? Gosh, there's a lot. So I've put about 25 hours into the game, I would say, uh, because I started it a while back and it wasn't really for me. I put like maybe two to three hours. Yeah. And I've since gone back now this this past week and a half or so and put about 20 more hours into the game. And I looked at the list of quest lines that you have to do before getting to the end game. And I'm about 40% through those. Okay. You're making good progress. I've heard it takes anywhere from like 60 to 100 hours, mm-hmm. depending on the reviewer. Um, what's your build? Are you going for like a sword build? Or are you going for like a archer build? Yeah. So that's the cool thing. There's a lot of ways to outfit your character. You can either dual wield axes. You can do an axe and shield, sword and shield, a two-handed axe. I've been doing a two-handed axe yeah. just because I love the heaviness of it when I'm in combat. I think you can dual wield heavy weapons as well. Eventually, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but combat feels pretty good too. One of my favorite things to do is when you have a number of guys coming towards you, 
there's this little like gold uh, emblem that appears over the person's head, mm-hmm. basically indicating that you need to counter. Okay. And when you press the L1 button and time it well enough, you counter and then it initiates just this awesome animation. And there's, you know, only like five to six animations. So eventually it gets repetitive. Yeah. But it's just brutal. I mean, you'll like lop these people's heads off. Oh, nice. Grab their axes and just chuck them at their face. Impale them with a sword. No, it's, I mean, in any game that has like a counter system or like a timing mechanic, it's so satisfying once you're able to kind of master that or at least get it down the first couple times. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was playing it for a couple of hours and then once you conquer a territory and finish that quest line, your character says like, oh, we need to go back to, I think her name's like Radhi or something like that to um, basically give the results of our, our Does, did you have a band? Our journey. No, it's not Rad Key. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I heard. It, it's like Rad He or something okay. like that. I don't know. Anyways, so he'll say that at the end of the quest line, but it doesn't mark your map. Uh, and so yeah. I went to bed one night after finishing a quest line and I woke up the next day. And what can be overwhelming for a lot of people that aren't used to over- open world games is the Assassin's Creed series is notorious for just having a ridiculous map with (laughs) hundreds of different markers and you can pull up a legend or a key to see what each thing represents but it becomes pretty muddy when you're trying to distinguish between a side quest and a main quest because the emblem looks virtually the same so if you're looking to just beeline the story when in doubt go back to that woman talk to her and say like either hey i finished a quest line Let's figure out the next territory to conquer or like, hey, you know, what am I supposed to do next? I don't know why they wouldn't have just copy and pasted like the Skyrim. Like Skyrim's map was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Why didn't they just copy and paste something like that? I don't know. Come on, Ubisoft. I know, but it's (laughs) like the maps, especially in a huge freaking game. The map is so important. Well, and I've, I've been really impressed with, you know, Ubisoft games, you especially Assassin's Creed. It kind of comes with this baggage of being pretty glitchy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes I experience when I'm scaling a wall where Eivor doesn't jump to where I expect him to jump or where mm-hmm. I'm angling him to jump. I kind of expect that in an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. I've had no game breaking issues. My yeah. game hasn't crashed. Occasionally I'll walk into a settlement and the tarp over a tent will kind of just like blink. You know, stuff like that, but nothing to the point where it's game breaking. I've lost any kind of progress uh, with story or my save state because it's constantly auto saving. And one of the other things that's been so enjoyable, especially whether I want to check Twitter or set my final uh, Final Fantasy, my fantasy football lineup, mm-hmm. whatever I want to do, go out in the kitchen and grab another cup of coffee. When you're traveling to the next place, you can auto select on the map where your quest is. So you get in your Viking boat and you set up your sail and it's very much like the Wind Waker where you can set the controller down and it'll just auto direct. Oh, it's really nice. The Witcher had something like that on the paths, didn't it? It did with the the horse. horse, Yeah. And you can do the same thing when you're on land using a horse. I just feel like they've they've streamlined navigating the world to a point where this should be the bar for really any open world game. The thing that frustrates me most is when you have a world this freaking large and i can't just toggle like call my horse yeah and in this game you can you know auto direct your boat the guys will sing these little uh viking little songs which is fun it just adds an additional element of atmosphere to the game 
And the moment you um, dock on land, and if the the way marker for your mission is like in the middle of that plot of land, yeah. you call your horse. I can either direct him myself ma- uh, manually or press square. He'll auto-direct the horse right to the mission, hop off the horse, initiate cutscene, end of story. So is there fast travel or you, do you have to walk? Yeah, there's fast travel too. So, I mean, very much like any other open world game that you'd expect to see uh, fast travel in it. Once you find a new port or you find a new city, you can eventually fast travel to those different locations. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I completely agree that those kind of quality of life upgrades for traversing the world, especially massive worlds, you have to have that type of stuff. Whether it's like in Skyrim, they have the carriage um, kind of exploration. You pay a few coins and you go to Markarth or wherever, just across the map or having the ability like the Witcher or Valhalla to have it kind of like walk away as it does it for you. I'd be worried. Are there bandits and things that it can attack you along the way? Oh yeah. I mean, there's dozens of times where I'm, you know, on my horse going through these forests or going through these large like farmlands and I'm, people are just fucking shooting arrows at me like and screaming like there he is, you know, and then they, they start chasing you. But if you just keep going, they're not going to follow you. So, um, so that's been really nice. And I mean, you, you talked about Skyrim and there's carriages and stuff. The interesting thing about something like Skyrim versus something like The Witcher or Valhalla is I never use a horse in Skyrim. No. I always use the fast travel system because I'm not walking from one side of the map to the other. But if there's this territory that I need to go explore way on the other side of the map, I do choose to walk because it, it is so atmospheric in first person to yeah. walk across the map. But for something like The Witcher or Valhalla, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm calling my horse and then I'm, you know. Yeah, like Skyrim, it's usually, I mean, I've played it so many times that like I don't need to explore everything out of the wild. But it's usually a carriage to like the nearest town to whatever map thing I need. And then I get a horse and run through um, and then stop and like observe everything. But it's, I mean, even similar to like, I mean. It's hard to compare Skyrim to the visual appeal of Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. But like running around that environment that is far prettier than Skyrim, it, it's just fun to speed through and see the everything change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, glad yeah, you're so enjoying it. I, I am a lot. And the thing I'm a little, I'm not even worried about because the moment it becomes too repetitive and I'm not enjoying it, I'm just going to put it down. Yeah. Like I have no sense of obligation to finish the game if it becomes a chore to keep playing. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. I bought it with the intention of like, I'll give it a try. I'll play it until it's not fun anymore. But right now, like the gameplay loop, while it is somewhat repetitive, it doesn't feel like a chore to play. And again, being 40% through right now, whether or not I'm going to play it to completion or not remains to be seen. But right now it's, it's full steam ahead of them and I'm really enjoying it. For the loot, is it purely RPG or I, I want to say this loot system's more similar to Odyssey, not Odyssey, the one before it, the Origins. Egyptian one. Yeah, Origins, where it's like individual sets of armor, whereas Odyssey was like purely like roll a dice on a set of armor. So that's the interesting thing. Uh, I've been talking to my buddy who platinum this game. He's probably put 500 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and he's also platinumed Origins and Odyssey. Like he's yeah. an Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft open world uh, fanboy, if you will. And you do find gear and loot 
littered across the map. There's these little gold emblems, scat- like icons, if you will, yeah. scattered across the map. And so you can find those things uh, pretty organically by just exploring. But in very Ubisoft fashion, there's also a store that if you want to get like Thor's hammer and Odin's spear and all of that endgame armor, yeah. you can just pay for it up front. Yeah, I definitely in Odyssey bought a Pegasus because I wanted like a winged horse. Uh, it hurts to admit. But do they? one of the complaints for the armor system in Ragnarok was it was very unspecific in the buffs that individual armor gives you like it was it wasn't percentage based so like usually you'd see hey this armor piece gives you attack 1.2 times base or whatever like or 1.2 increase and it just says attack up yeah see that's way above my level of caring i'm playing on the easiest difficulty so whatever looks cool that's sweet that's what i'm wearing (laughs) so um i like that approach i literally went to the ubisoft store last night just to check how much things were going for and there was like an entire wardrobe of free stuff. So you could get like Ezio's outfit Ooh. and like all of those old Assassin's Creed characters. Is it like a a layered armor? No. So unfortunately, armor? it's it does have attributes to it mm. and they're not as good as the armors I'm wearing. But since I'm playing on the easiest difficulty, like f- as an example, I was power level like 68 and I went into a power level 90 territory and I didn't die once. Okay. So like... If you're looking to just purely experience the story and have fun and, you know, apply aesthetically pleasing armor and stuff to your character, you can do that and not really worry about, you know, scaling of the enemies and, you know, your 1.2 stats and getting out the spreadsheet and making sure that you're powered yeah. enough to to progress the story. Okay, that's good. And then you don't feel like you have to have – because my complaint or one of the issues with Odyssey was – you had to buy an XP boost pass to be like, get through the story. And you obviously don't feel like that. Not at all. Not at all. And there's, again, since I've only played Valhalla at this point and I haven't played Origins or Odyssey, although I did end up buying the gold edition for Origins because it was on sale. Normally, I thought I gave you your copy back. No, I, I must have gotten rid of it. Oh, but anyways, oh, okay. yeah, but anyways, so normally a hundred dollars which is nuts, <laughs> but it came with base game, all the DLC, all the season passes, and probably some Ubisoft coins or something Yeah, for 20 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So somewhere down the road, I'll eventually play Origins, but I don't really know how much they've streamlined with Valhalla where there were mechanics or things that people complained about in either Origins or Odyssey. For me, it feels pretty streamlined. You can literally toggle off that enemies don't scale or level with you. Um, They're just where they're at. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a way to um, make this kind of an elementary experience from a difficulty perspective and just enjoy yourself. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. So um, the interesting thing though, is that I'm like Norse mythology obsessed right now. Yeah. So I ordered a book on Amazon literally titled Norse mythology. It's like one of the most um, well-known and well, uh, regarded like kind of Norse books that just gives you a general background around Norse mythology. Yeah. I forget the author, um, but I'm excited to read that. I also was looking for TV shows that might complement this experience. And there's actually two. So there's one on Amazon called the last kingdom. Okay. Which people, is that a movie? I thought that was a movie or is that a show? There's a show or there's a movie with Liam Neeson and Orlando Bloom, I think called the last kingdom. 
uh, or on Netflix, or maybe. Kingdom of Heaven yeah. or something like that. Um, okay. But The Last Kingdom, Netflix, there's also a show that was originally on the History Channel called Vikings, hmm. now on Amazon Prime that I started watching, and Lauren and I are completely hooked. So originally started airing in 2013. There's six seasons. The first two or three seasons have like eight to ten episodes. Okay. And then the later seasons have 30 episodes per season. God, it sounds like an anime. So clearly it took off. Yeah. So, okay. So this is a cohesive plot that wrapped up completely. Like, yes. There's and no more coming. There's no more coming. I don't know how it concludes, how well the conclusion was received by the fan base. As far as I know, this this show is not meant to really educate or be historically accurate. It's really just meant for entertainment purposes. Yeah. And entertaining and it is certainly entertaining i should say um the earlier seasons without spoiling anything uh if you're familiar with norse mythology in the viking era ragnar lothbrook is the main protagonist the main character so you kind of follow his earlier adventures of sailing west and discovering land going on raids that whole thing i'd really liken it to something like game of thrones except for it's pg-13 so it's not over the top with nudity and sex and violence it's definitely violent like Hmm. they definitely don't shy away from like sticking spears into people and blood everywhere and stuff like that but not to the point where like game of thrones just got to be too much at times like i look at the giants in the uh the season four penultimate episode when um the mandalorian fought that one guy and his eyes got like smushed Remember the giant fought that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, I got you. The the mountain. The mountain fought, yeah. yeah and that was just too much for fought, me. Um, Mary Martell or whatever his name was. Yeah. Prince. What's also really nice about this show is that it is purely entertaining and not based on George R. R. Martin's books is that, you know, whenever you love a character in Game of Thrones is like, I know you love her, but first of all, she's going to become pregnant with a child <laughs> and then we're going to kill her. Yeah. It's Through, just like ghost babies or like... Yeah. It's just way too much, and they always kill off your favorite characters. In Vikings, they often tease that, you know, your character's going to die or someone's turning on this person, but it always comes back to the main protagonist kind of winning. So is that Ragnar Targaryen, a real person in Norse mythology? I think so, because the interesting thing about the show is that last night I was doing a side quest in Valhalla, and I was talking to this woman, and she said, we need to get this stone back, because... Ragnar Lothbrook stole it from this other person. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, so shit. clearly it's not just some fictitious person that they made for the purposes of this show. Yeah. He's known somewhere in Norse mythology. Interesting. And then in, uh, was it Assassin's Creed? Have you fought any of the gods? I haven't. Um, what my buddy, when he was asking me about where I was at in the game, he said, have you gone to Asgard yet? Okay. And I was like, no. Well, because I think they're, like either mirages or something um, not similar to Odyssey where it was like you're literally fighting like Minotaurs and like girl with snake hair mm-hmm. kind of thing. But. Yeah. So yeah, the really neat thing is seeing the parallels of the show and Valhalla characters using interchangeably in both the show and also the game. And whenever I turn off Vikings, the TV show and I boot up Valhalla, it literally feels like I'm controlling Ragnar Lothbrook in the show but in video game form. Very cool. So it's cool to kind of like, you know, turn one off, go to the next, um, but still get that like Viking Norse uh, mythology experience. Uh, I guess once you conclude that, which you have like 
hundreds of episodes left. Um, a fun one, less accurate, is Ragnarok on Netflix, which I watched oh, a yeah. few weeks ago. Yeah. And that's more of a stylized kind of like contemporary take opposed to like in the period itself. Mm. It's like, hey, what if someone was actually a descendant of uh, Thor? How would they react coming to age? Okay, cool. And it's an interesting take, especially like being able to pinpoint some of the key things you'll see, like ravens and that kind of stuff. You'd be like, oh, okay, maybe that's Odin. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. But yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying your time with that kind of entire genre. Yeah, no, and I definitely recommend people check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. The last thing I'll say about it, kind of coming back to the comparison of Game of Thrones Game of Thrones can be very challenging to get a grip around just because there's so many different characters. They swap between like five different regions and character arcs. And Vikings is very focused on like Ragnar Lothbrok and his supporting cast of characters. So it's never too overwhelming, not too many characters to follow, but definitely a great cast and uh, pretty good acting, especially for like a show that started on the History Channel. Yeah, that is saying something. Yeah, so check out Vikings, and if you're looking for an open-world game to kind of get lost in over the holidays, I'm telling you, give Valhalla a try, especially given that it's uh, not too pricey nowadays. Nice. So Cool. All right, Ryan, what do you say we get into the main topic of the show? Let's do it. All righty. Ryan, we are in the main topic of the show, and for our holiday special, what better way to enjoy the festivities and celebrate than by listening to some of our favorite holiday tunes? Let's do it. So, yeah. if you are, you know, if you're new to the show and this is your first time listening to a Talk Brothers, one of our more recent reoccurring segments is something called Memory of Melodies. We kind of take the naming convention from uh, the Kingdom Hearts rhythm game. Yeah, we do. We flipped melodies and memory because we wanted the emphasis to be on our memories with these tunes and so 
there's really no, there's not a whole lot of structure with this. Ryan and I have been kind of taking some liberties with the songs that we've been including when we've been doing this segment more recently, probably most notably on the Halloween episode. Ryan played Monster Mash. I did. Not yes, a song a from not a song from a video game, but definitely a Halloween classic. And so today, while I don't know what songs Ryan included on his list, some of mine I also took some liberties. Not all songs. I think all of them are from video games, but I too have some remixes this time around. Oh, cool. And so what we're going to do is listen to some songs, tell some fun stories about why we're either nostalgic for the song or what it means to us, uh, whether it's a callback to songs songs from our youth. Maybe it's just the past couple of years. There's a certain song from a game that uh, just struck a Christmas holiday chord for us. Yeah. So we each have five songs to listen to today. So kick your feet up, play some video games, maybe grab some hot cocoa or a cider. Maybe you're drinking some eggnog. Yeah. It, it tis the season. I do love some seasonal nog. Absolutely. So pour yourself a nice beverage, play some video games, or if it's finding you on your commute to work, wherever this episode finds you, I hope it finds you well, and I hope you get in the holiday spirit with some of these songs. But Ryan, what are we queuing up first for you? Okay, so this first song, just to set the groundwork, I'm not the hugest like Christmas song person, um, and I'm not like a Grinch or anything, but like... After um, two months, really starting at the end of October, all the way through November to Christmas, it kind of ruins it for me. You have to get through Thanksgiving, and then you're allowed to play it like one or two times. Like, I don't constantly have Christmas songs going in my apartment or ever. Um, But there are some, like, classic songs that I can listen to, like, once or twice and get some, like, nostalgic high. Mm. And this first one really is my oldest memory when it comes to Christmas. Okay. Um, I don't know, back in the day, if you ever watched the claymation holiday movies of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. A staple. Um, So this is, like, is it stop motion, claymation, or something? Um, But it's just a classic movie, and I remember watching this driving up to Cleveland um, and going to my dad's mom's side and just sitting down woodworking with my grandpa in the basement and then sitting around in like a warm living room watching this movie Mm. uh, to celebrate or start to move into the Christmas holiday. Uh, So this first song is the opening to that special, which is uh, the snowman with a mustache and like oh. a top hat singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Heck yes. All right. Buckle up, everyone. Get on the sleigh ride. Let's listen to some Rudolph. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all?
Yeah, so this one, as you mentioned when we were listening to it, has a really kind of old-timey uh, feel to it. And you said it was, what, 1960? 1964, yeah. Yeah, and it, it has the feel of kind of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost gives me like... It, was it Mary Poppin vibes to the Dick Van Dyke like penguin song? It has like that hoppiness and like that old timey feel. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this one just kind of warms my heart. Um it just brings me back to when I was a kid, super enthusiastic to come down and open presents and just be around family. Um, so, Definitely. Yeah. I love it, dude. That's one of my favorites too. Always enjoyed watching these movies as a kid, and they're fun to watch now. Yeah, they are. Kind of look yeah. fondly back on, uh, very nostalgic for them. But excellent choice to kick us off here. So my first choice is a little bit different. It is a video game tune, and there is a little story behind this. It doesn't really have much of a Christmassy feel to the song, Okay. but the story behind it has a Christmas kind of background. So back after my mom's, or after my parents got divorced, uh, my mom's first boyfriend wasn't a favorite of mine. Okay. Um, I just didn't really like him very much, but the saving grace of that relationship is that he had a PlayStation 1. So <laughs> Priorities, man. <laughs> so whenever we'd go over to his house or he'd come over and visit us, he'd always bring his PlayStation, and while he didn't have the particular game that I'm going to play a song from, just playing stuff like Cool Burt, Cool Borders and um, Road Rash and some other sports games... It was just, again, the saving grace of going to his place where I could play this PlayStation 1. Well, that relationship kind of came to an end around the Christmas time. And while I had an N64, I really had, um, I was gearing towards that PlayStation 1 at this point. And I knew that that was going to be taken away from me because they were breaking up. Yeah. Well, my mom, the superhero that she is, she ended up getting me a slim PS1, that little tiny little white console, um, different from the bigger gray box playstation one she ended up getting me that playstation one slim a copy of cool borders madden 2002 if you remember uh dante culpepper for the minnesota vikings and spyro the dragon oh nice this probably in addition to the banjo kazooies and super mario 64s of the world really solidified my love of 3d platformers and spyro was a series even to this day that my sister and i looked back on so fondly because it was one of those games that my sister would just kind of sit there next to me on the couch and just watch me play you know and she kind of just coached me to go to different areas occasionally we'd swap the controller between the two of us but more often than not it was my sister and I playing this game and because and I've said this before in the podcast my mom didn't have the most lucrative of professions growing up she's a hairdresser yeah she'd oftentimes go to work Uh, after picking us up from school, but leave us at home because my sister was old enough at that point, my sister would be like making us ramen or mac and cheese (laughs) or like potato skins and like just random snacks like that in the kitchen. And we just sit there and huddle around the TV, play the PlayStation 1. Inspire the Dragon was definitely uh, a big example of that experience. So this song is called Dark Hollow. It's one of the, I would say, more notable Spyro tracks. And the interesting thing about Spyro for those that aren't aware, is that those PS1 era games, the composer for the soundtracks was Stuart Copeland, the drummer for The Police. Really? Which seems very uncharacteristic. That is weird. And very strange. But my gosh, did he compose some great soundtracks to complement that little experience. Nice, let's listen. All right, let's take a listen to Dark Hollow from Spyro 1. 
such a terrific tune. And what I love about the Spyro soundtracks is they're almost ambient in nature. Yeah. Kind of like what uh, Jeremy Soule does for the Skyrim Elder Scrolls type series where it's not so in your face, but it is there. You hear it and it just complements the game. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just looking up the police sound like songs and I could definitely sound sa- it sounds similar to some of their major hits, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, it's a good background music. I played a little bit of the first Spyro um, when we I got the trilogy and all I can remember. All I can remember is the platform mu- music was pretty great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Definitely a good song. Very subtle, but very effective for sure. And like I've done in prior Memory of Melody episodes, I love sharing my stories about why these games and why these songs are so special to me. But I also love going to the YouTube comments. And if you want to go to a wholesome space in YouTube, find some of your favorite video game tracks and go in the comments section because more often than not, It's just people reminiscing about why these songs are so special to those people. So that's what I've done. I've taken kind of the greatest hits for a number of these. And so here we go. I think I have three comments for Dark Hollow. So let's take a listen. This first one says, Thank you, Mr. Copeland, for that song. I wonder how Insomniac Games could convince the drummer of the police to make the soundtrack for these games and how that approach was made. And I don't know. I tried to find like kind of the the deep secrets of how Stuart Copeland was kind of commissioned to make the soundtracks for these games or compose them. And I couldn't really find anything specific. So if anyone knows how Stuart Copeland became uh, not only the renowned drummer for the police, but how he kind of stepped away from the band and and made these soundtracks, I'd love to know. Yeah. I wonder how much visibility he would have had into like video games and like a little purple dragon at the time. Cause this, I mean, this is a first one. So it's like a new IP. Mm -hmm. So like, Hey, so uh, I know you have a band and you're into touring and you're pretty popular. You want to make music for a dragon? <laughs> like, how would that go? Maybe he besides, was, like, here's a paycheck kind of thing. Maybe he was really into video games. I'm not entirely sure. But this next person says that moment when you hear a melody, a simple melody, nothing special really, but because you have listened to it 15 years ago, it becomes so much more valuable. Which I completely agree. And as I kind of said just after listening to the track is it kind of just is ambient in nature. There's nothing too in your face or special about it, but because you've played the Spyro games and immediately when you hear these songs, it's like that's Spyro. Yeah. That's Spyro music. So good stuff. This last person says this music makes me long to being young and innocent again, playing my PS one and having so much fun. This music is just so good. I still sometimes play the first Spyro games, but it will never be the same. These songs just kill me. <laughs> oh, the long longing to be young again. Right, Ryan? Yeah, no kidding. Especially just really experiencing those nostalgic video games for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Well, and it's going to be so fun, again, kind of selfishly, hopefully introducing the Spyro Reignited trilogy to my kids one day and just seeing if they take a liking to it or video games in general, but... Spyro would be a they fun They will series. like it or they're grounded, <laughs> is what you mean to say. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it on air. But All right. Yeah, all right. pretty much. You. All right, Ryan, what are we going to listen to next for you? So this next one, um, this is another, so this is actually a video game song. And this is from one of our favorite video games, Lauren and I. And it's probably, I believe it's something Lauren's played on one of the episodes she was on. Because I think she was on an episode where she did the Memory of Melodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a song um, from Super Smash Brothers Brawl, 
And during Christmas, we would have the young um, cousins over. Um, they're no longer young. They're now in high school at this point, um, little Thomas and Leah. And um, this is, I don't know where they were, maybe elementary school or low or below that. And they couldn't really grasp the fighting mechanics of Brawl. And what we would do is we turn them to NPCs and then praise them on how good they were doing. Nice. And they would just be loving it. I mean, it's just being part of the older cousins kind of group and just playing along and spending time with the family. Um, and this is one of the stages that we frequented. It is Hyrule Castle. Oh, interesting. So. You actually made the selection. Did I? Yeah. I, I was like, fuck, is this me or Lauren? Because I'm like, I know it's been played before. But this is like one that brings back so many memories um, for just the holidays. Um, modding the um, Wii and being able to play Homebrew. Mm -hmm. um, going through Homebrew to be able to mod the visuals of different characters. Making Meta Knight Darth Vader. Making Samus. Samusy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's just a good time. Hey, we're all about repeat vi uh, visits with songs here. I think I've played the same ukulele track five times in a <laughs> yeah, row now, so yeah, it's all probably. good. Let's take a listen to Hyrule Castle from Super Smash Brothers. So this is the song that really encompasses most of my um, Smash Bros. experience, at least from Melee on. Um, this is the perfectly large stage for us to do Pokemon battles, um, where we'd set the only item to Pokeballs and have a bunch of different lives. And whoever's Pokemon was the best, the other person would jump off the stage. Um, this is where we fought Link in his OP decked out form when... I think I told the story on the first episode where I basically we faced off handicapping ourselves um, and tried to master the game. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one that brings back memories of playing with the little cousins. Nice. Now, it's a great song. 
and uh, definitely a favorite of mine growing up playing uh, Melee, and then of course this track, or this particular stage, of course, made its way into Smash Brothers Brawl as well. So, good selection, even if it was a repeat, I'm not going to knock you for it. We still listen to it, and I'm sure the people loved it. Yeah. And if they didn't, well, they can skip forward if they wanted to. But anyways, Ryan, getting into my second selection... Another interesting story. So this is not a game that I got around Christmas. This is kind of the opposite of my first track where the song just kind of has a Christmassy feel to it. Okay. I want to preface this by saying I consider myself a kind and honest person. Do you though? I do. Okay, yeah. cool. Good. Many people might not describe me yeah. as such, but I kind of describe myself as a pretty nice person. Yeah, those those adjectives are more on the fringe of the, the circle of things I would describe you as. But <laughs> yeah. hey, if you put it closer to the center... Be my guest. Yeah. It's you. <laughs> but anyways, so there was this girl growing up that lived across the street from my good buddy, Scott. Okay. I've mentioned Scott a number of times in this podcast where it's because of him. I, you know, I went to his house after school. He told me he got a new N64 game and the cartridge was blue. And I was like, what? And then we went downstairs and I fell in love with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah. It was that house where I was introduced to Perfect Dark. It was that house when I walked downstairs and his brothers were playing Kingdom Hearts for the first time, Final Fantasy VII. I mean, the list goes on and on because of Scott, very formative, if you will, in my love of video games. Well, this girl that lived across the street, he kind of grew up with and they were close friends. But for whatever reason, I kind of was just a jerk to her. Wow. Like I wasn't like I didn't push her around. I didn't like verbally abuse her or anything like that. But I just was kind of a jerk. I kind of teased her a little bit. Okay. And I remember going over a new side of you. (laughs) Yeah. I was just kind of a jerk and I totally regret it. And it's just not in my character to, to be like that. But anyways, I remember going over to her house one time and Scott and I were just kind of hanging out with her. And she had a massive N64 collection. Like any game you could have ever possibly wanted to play, she had it. And I remember playing Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, and we were all enjoying it. And I asked her, do you mind if I borrow your copy? She said, yeah, that's totally fine. Just make sure you return it. And I was like, yeah, no problem at all. I never returned the copy. Wow. And I remember like... thief getting into elementary school getting into middle school and eventually even going into high school she always kind of held it over to my head and we made amends like later on like i apologize for being did you just lose it or are you just like i just never gave it back it? Yeah, okay i mean eventually like way down the line i got rid of it yeah but i was just a dick and fortunately we made amends you know let bygones be bygones and we were friends in high school and it wasn't a big thing but i just never gave her copy back so I continued to enjoy Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards many a time over the course of my youth. And I just never gave her copy back. So little inside story. <laughs> Every time you boot it up, you're like, <laughs> like a maniacal laugh. Yeah. So little inside story. Rusty was a little asshole growing up, um, at least with Bailey. I apologize publicly, Bailey. What you should do. You deserve just better. Find her on Facebook and send her a copy. I should. <laughs> like, hey, it's been a while. I know there's some interest accrued, but yeah. Yes. So this is a song called Shiver Star from Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards. I hope you enjoy.
Man, I love me some Kirby music. Yeah, me too. It's I. It definitely does have a Christmas vibe to it, or at mm-hmm. least the bells and kind of the flutiness mm-hmm. of it. it. It's got like an airy feel. Like you can picture Kirby's floating around. To this oh yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, I mean, Epic Yarn has a great soundtrack. I haven't played um, Return to Nightmare and Dreamland or whatever the Wii um, Kirby game was outside of Epic Yarn, but. I think, you know, the Kirby games never, ever disappoint in the music department, and Crystal Shards is definitely no exception. So, with this one, outside of my story about Bailey, and once again, Bailey, I'm so sorry, you deserve better, <laughs> uh, I only found one comment. Apparently, this particular song, uh, or Shiver Star, this world, is there's some kind of sick story behind it, like the Earth, like, froze over and... All of humanity died, but then eventually Kirby came back. And so there's like this lore that all of the snow is actually covering like the buried remains of human corpses that are frozen. Jesus, that sounds like the conspiracy theories about Pokemon, like the Pokemon Death Tower. Yeah. Where there was like they saw Missingo and turned to stone and then Ash died. Yeah, that's that's dark. Yeah. So look up the lore behind Shiverstar and post on the Discord. I'd love to hear the backstory behind that. But anyways, this one comment, this person says, gosh, every time I listen to this theme, I remember when I first got to this level when I was a kid and it was snowing outside. And that's why every time it snows or it's around Christmas, I just play this theme and watch the snow outside. So peaceful and so relaxing. Nice. Great little song. Yeah. I haven't played any Kirby games. I was There's that new Kirby game that's coming out. So hopefully it reviews well so I can play a Kirby game. Just sucking in people, turning into things. I've got sucking some, in corpus. I've got some corpuses. great Kirby games on the 3DS you should play. Okay. Outside of that, yes, that 3D platformer coming next year for Switch. I cannot wait for that. But until then, Ryan, we'll have to wait yes. a little longer. But I want to hear your number three song. All right. So my number three is going back to being a non-video game song. Um, so this is a tradition that our family does every year. Uh, I guess since we've been in Ohio. Um so every Christmas, there's like a Christmas service at the church that my parents go to, and it's just a normal service singing lots of songs and things. But at the end, my favorite thing, because I'm a pyro, is they give everyone candles at the beginning, and they we all light fires and burn down houses at the end. Oh. And we huddle around these giant blazes. That doesn't uh, seem very Christian of you. Oh, sorry, that's Halloween. Uh so yeah, so this one they give us candles and most of the time because I'm a f- fidgety, I'm trying to make designs in the wax of my candle. But You fidgety? I would have never No, known. I you, I mean you didn't hear in the first couple episodes the creaky table because all I did was move around. Uh no, so you at the end we uh, for the final song before everyone kind of goes out to prepare for Santa coming. We together light all of our candles and sing Silent Night. Mm. Um, so that's one of my favorite memories or traditions that our family did or did. Um, we haven't this last couple years because of COVID, but definitely a good memory. Wow, are we about to queue up Silent Night? Yes. Wow. All right, let's do it, man. I'm all for this. <laughs>
Yeah, so this song, usually when we sing it, it's a little bit quicker, um, and it's acapella, which is really cool. I, I love like a choir when they're doing acapella. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do this with all the lights turned out, with everyone holding up candles, and it, it's just a cool um, cool scene. Really gets you in the spirit of yeah, Christmas. absolutely, dude. You know, Silent Night's great, and of course, there's... A gazillion renditions out there. When you said Silent Night, I don't know if we're going to be listening to like Celine Dion's version or, <laughs> of course, this is be- this is Bing Crosby's version. Yeah, but, the uh, classic. Definitely a Christmas classic for sure. Uh, well, my next one is not by Bing Crosby. Uh, oh. It is from a video game. Okay. And this kind of gets back to, uh, this is kind of a, a double dipping in my last two. So I had a story that was related to Christmas and then I had one that was actually just a Christmassy song. This is both. So I don't remember the exact Christmas that I got this game. And for whatever reason, like I can remember getting my Game Boy Color with Pokemon Red very vividly. Okay. I can remember getting my PS2 with um, Return of the King very vividly. But that N64 era, I just cannot for the life of me remember when I got certain games. Because I was like four or five or six. Yeah. Like, it was very young. But I do remember a specific Christmas where my grandparents got my sister and I like a treasure trove of N64 games. Like I remember getting Mario Party 2, Yoshi's Story, Diddy Kong Racing, and like one other game all in the same Christmas, which is a lot. Yeah. On top of like everything Santa Claus or my parents got me, you know, that very yeah. same Christmas. But the game I'm talking about in this particular song is from Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, a favorite kart racer of mine. It's better than Mario Kart 64. All right. I just want the I'm just (laughs) stating facts, people, and I just want the facts to be known. I'm an honest person, like I said earlier. And this song is Frosty Village and definitely has the Christmassy feels and literally the track itself. You're you're racing around in a very snowy environment. You're going through these literal villages and stuff like that. So um, definitely sets the scene for Christmas well. And the story behind it, it's not like one particular memory. It's just many memories of playing this game with my sister and my dad. The three of us played the, this game to death. Uh, in particular, the tracks where you weren't necessarily racing, but it was kind of like battle mode okay. where you had three lives and you were either um, in the lagoon area on your little hovercrafts or you were in the like triple decker snowy pyramid level where you're kind of racing around and using your little rockets and using um, all your little weapons to knock the other person out of the game so hopefully uh, those that have played diddy kong racing are familiar with the track but i think it definitely will spark some nostalgia and the christmasy feel so what do you say we take a listen let's do it
I mean, if that song doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit, I don't know what will. It's definitely a really catchy song. It just makes you happy. It's a lot of those early racing songs are just so cheery Mm -hmm. and like running around laps for hours on end. I could definitely see myself doing that for this song. Can you uh, maybe take a guess at who composed this particular track? Uh, I don't know. Have we mentioned him before? No. This is actually the first time I'm mentioning David Wise composed the soundtrack. Never heard of that name. I was going to guess Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Yeah, yeah. Very close. After James Bond, he went to Diddy Kong Racing. (laughs) Yeah, him and Stuart Copeland. They gave up, uh, you know, their professional careers for... Yeah, weird. I don't know. Video game composer. Uh, But yeah, so David Wise, of course, of Donkey Kong Country fame prior to Diddy Kong Racing. And uh, what a perfect composer for this particular video game and the whole the, the whole diddy kong racing soundtrack is terrific uh but i have some very special memories of other people who also look at this game very fondly ryan so we got three of them and we've got some meaty comments here these are some stories so buckle up my friends this first person says oh i used to play this game when i was a kid and my grandma liked this song she was a cool grandma to be honest <laughs> and i always played with tip top because she loves him, lol. And sometimes I used to moving. What is this person saying? And sometimes I used to moving Tip Top's head side to side like dancing to this song when racing, just for her. Now I'm almost thirty two, and she passed away on December twenty fifth of two thousand eight. Thank you for the good old memories, Grandma and Diddy Kong racing. That's nice. Yeah, Very those are, those early like grandparents' memories with games and stuff. Um, are definitely something to cherish. Very special, for sure. This next person says, I'm 24 years old. This randomly got stuck in my head today for the first time since 1997. <laughs> I miss having these games to play when I came home from school. There's not much to look forward to these days in gaming, just more of the same. Imagine if sequels were coming out for Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo-Kazooie, Snowboard Kids, and all the other great N64 titles. Ukulele! might bring back the hope, the nostalgia, and the endless happiness of playing a happy, colorful game with the most amazing music compositions. For now, the memories will also do. So I want to shout out Dylan Fleming on YouTube. (laughs) I I can't tell if you added that after or like you cherry-picked this comment to specifically Control-F ukulele. A little of both. Okay. A little of both. But I swear uh, to you, uh, on my good name, go to Frosty Village, Diddy Kong Racing. It's three minutes and 29 seconds. That YouTube video, Control F, Dylan Fleming, my boy D, yeah. DF. I didn't happen to just make a second YouTube account and name myself Dylan Fleming. <laughs> I swear. Uh, he talked about ukulele being wonderful, and I couldn't agree more. So thank you for shouting out the good old ukulele. This next person says, here I stand, 25 years old, yet I'll never forget the magical journeys this game gave me, especially with my family by my side. I miss my sister and cousins all playing together. So much happiness and nostalgia in this song for me, never forgotten. Yeah. Little DKR. Diddy Kong Racing, my friends. What a great game. Definitely one I like pulling out around the Christmas time to reminisce at simpler times, but also hit up Frosty Village and get a good old dose of nostalgia and Christmas tunes. Gotta love that nostalgia. Oh, yeah. For sure. Ryan, what do we got 
what do we got to queue up here for your song number four? A really nostalgic song for me. So this is uh, from video games this time. Hyrule Temple from Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> Was it Lauren who played that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe me twice now. Yeah. Uh, no, so this one is... It's, We've referenced this series plenty of times, but this was one of the Game Boy games that I used to bring down when we were waiting for everyone to wake up, breakfast to be made, maybe pancakes and syrup on Christmas morning, mm-hmm. or eating some ham, and uh, just waiting to prepare for everyone to get up and open stockings and then start opening presents. I would whip out my Game Boy and either play uh, red and blue version mm-hmm. or silver and gold. Okay. Um, and we've played a lot of the songs from those original games. Um, but one of my favorite songs from like, really across the entire series is a Pokemon Center song. Oh, okay. It, it's I, I was looking over all the cities and like the one that we've always overlooked is just how amazing going into that Pokemon Center is and having that similar i mean uh, there's a youtube video of all of them side by side Mm -hmm. but just it's got such a unique sound to it and it just makes me so happy to hear that cheery song as you're going to get your pokemon healed well and it's maybe an apples to oranges comparison but it's kind of like in resident evil games when you go into a save room yeah it's like this is where we can kind of relax this is your safe place to Prepare and then go back out on your journey. Absolutely. All right, so we're queuing up the Pokemon Center theme from Gold and Silver. Yes. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, so this is such a great song. I, I love the progression of, I mean, as you get more Pokemon, you see like a single Pokeball on the table, and then through the different generations, you, I mean, there's a back screen that's added where you can actually see the Pokemon that are in those Pokeballs. Mm. Even and just it, that simple little song, like, bum, bum, ba-da-bum. Yeah, yeah, the healing of the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just a safe song and safe place for you in your Pokemon journey. Definitely, uh, so dude. Brings, and you got to consult that little PC when you want to store some items and Pokemans. Or duplicate dittos with perfect IVs. Never done that, stuff. but I believe you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's... Yeah. Great song. For great Good journey. stuff. Well, you've got like a 4A here. What's going I on? I do. Yeah. I have appendices. So, I found a remix for this. Um, on one of my other silver version early uh, town songs, I found a remixed version. Um, I forget what town it was but i think i showed the original and then this kind of better version that wasn't 16-bit but i found a really nice remix for the pokemon center 
Okay, so we want to just get into it right now? Let's just do it. All right, yeah. I'm ready. That was a lovely remix. I was totally waiting for a much heavier, more rugged, like, do, 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 toe to like, dial. And then just like, see <laughs> duck quill. <laughs> like similar to the Halloween one that I. Yeah, yeah. but it, it really never went that far. And I liked, I liked the techno-y, but it was very subtle. It wasn't yeah, too harsh. It still maintained kind of that pluckiness mm-hmm. of the Pokemon Center theme. Um, along with having like where you're healing your pokeballs, yeah. Um, and then the the background picture for this is like a cute little Nurse Joy mm-hmm. kind of chibi look, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was wonderful, great pick, and uh, fitting enough, Ryan. So I wanted to have a little bit of a break between my last song and this one. Okay, I like that you had the original and a remix because I also did the same thing for Diddy Kong Racing's Frosty Village. Oh, cool. The interesting thing about this particular song, though, is it's actually a mashup between Frosty Village and Walrus Cove, the tune for that particular track. The interesting thing about Walrus Cove is it has a very Christmassy feel to it as well. Mm -hmm. But when I was looking for songs, I was actually kind of deciding between Frosty Village or Walrus Cove to include for one of my five picks. And then I just kind of stumbled upon this remix that mashes together the two songs and... 
it actually includes like sound bites of you actually on a cart racer or on a track racing in diddy kong racing oh very cool so you'll hear some of the sound bites that the characters make as you're racing so if you're a fan of diddy kong racing this will definitely uh stroke the nostalgic chords a little bit nice all right let's, let's take it. a listen So yeah, a fun little remix of Frosty Village versus Walrus Cove. I, uh, If you're interested in more remixes similar to this, the person's name on YouTube is Player2. All So one word, player, and then the number two. And uh, he has a number of other really cool Nintendo remixes. And uh, what do you think of this one? I really liked it. Um, definitely a harder bass towards the beginning. And I like to change into like an acapella kind of whistle to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then into like a bass change, kind of darker feel, and then kind of concluding with the original starting song mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with a different bass line. Definitely. I, I liked it. I liked the the change in the tech. And you also got that, wahoo! All yeah. The, all no, the I mean, similar to like my remix where it included the Pokemon being healed, I, I think tossing those kind of sounds in really makes 
makes it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ryan, that's my fourth pick. I don't have any additional YouTube comments for this one because I had quite a few for the original Frosty Village. But what are we going to settle down on with your fifth and final song here? All right. I am going to read the YouTube comments for this. I have two of them. Oh, nice. Well, don't don't read them until after we listen. No, I'm going to have you try to guess what you think my song is. And then... I will uh, play the song and then I'll kind of give my history. All right. We love guessing games around here. Okay. So the first one um, is by Large Format Format Master. And this the comment is, this sounds like a Christmas battle theme. And then the second one is, if Christmas was a contact sport, this would be the theme song. <laughs> Holy moly. So, wow. Okay. So this is a pretty intense Christmassy tune. If Christmas was a contact sport, this would be the theme song. And the other one was go to war for Christmas. What did he say? Yeah. If <laughs> if this sounds like Christmas battle theme. Christmas battle theme. Man, I have to have some kind of hint here. Uh, guitars and fire. Guitars in fire? Like through the fire and the flames? Close. No, <laughs> no, no, it's it's not. No. I'm thinking guitar here with that point. I have no idea. Like, I need a genre or something. Okay, so this is a rock song. And the performance includes fire. Oh, so this is not a, from a video game. No, this is a Christmas song. Oh, okay. Then I have no idea. I'm thinking like Trans-Siberian Orchestra or something. Getting closer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's about as far as my guesses are going to go. Okay, so this is Carol of the Bells. By the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. One of my favorites. All right. Well, let's take a listen to this one. All right. I was thinking we were going to listen to fucking Through the Fire and the Flames (laughs) from Guitar Hero. I was like, wow. All right. Silent Hill and Bing Crosby. Yeah, it's very Christmassy. And getting into Fire and the Flames. All right. Let's take a listen. Let's do this.
So I think the description of like a Christmas battle theme is extremely accurate. So like what I picture, so say the North Pole was to revolt Mm. and they were just sick of giving everyone presents and Santa didn't want to do his job again. And he wanted to like go to world the war with the world. Mm -hmm. I could see just a bunch of mounted elves on reindeer just kind of lining up like Rohan entering the battle of Minas Tirith and, um, Santa leading the charge, rallying the troops, and there's one person, just like one big elf on an elephant, or just a Rudolph yeah. with his blood-dripping nose of red, just jamming out to this song. Hell yeah. for battle. Well, I kind of envisioned the battle for Helm's Deep at the very end when the Rohirrim come, yeah. and, you know, Aemir, or A- what is his name? Uh, Carl I Urban figured. from... Uh, Look to the light on the third day. Why well, just see him <laughs> say? <laughs> well, instead of him calling like the Rohiro, he's like reindeer, and it's just like a fucking herd of reindeer. Yeah. And Santa's yeah. Gandalf with his little staff. Yeah, I can definitely see the Santa with like a literally the North Pole. Yeah. Just like, as a bludgeon. <laughs> The just literal. like a spiral candy cane, yeah. like ready to just rip off Orc head. Oh, dude, I want to see that Peter Jackson director's yeah, that'd be cut. Great. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if Token will write that. That'll be good. Yeah, it's probably like in the appendices of. That. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the unwritten tales of Simmerillion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I missed that chapter. Oh, what a great pick! Big fan of Trans Siberian Orchestra. I haven't seen them in concert before. Me but too. I'd like um, to. This we actually went to see them in concert as a family one Christmas. Oh, nice. Um, and this is probably probably my favorite Christmas song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely upbeat. I love Carol of the Bells, but then having it uh, more intense, a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoy it. Excellent. Well, what a great way to wrap up your five tracks for this Memory of Melodies holiday special. I, too, have a pretty fitting final song, I think, that you'll get a kick out of. Okay. Hopefully, the listeners will get a kick out of. Uh, again, taking some liberties with this one in terms of the story tied to it. Uh, I actually already played the main theme to this game on an earlier Memory of Melodies episode um, when I think it was just like songs that remind us of summer. So the story tied to this, I won't go too deep into the details because I've already told it on our Memory of Melodies summer episode, Okay, but it's Super Mario World. I originally played it on the Game Boy Advance as Super Mario Advance 2, Super Mario World, and this is when we drove like 14 hours to Florida. I had my little lime green Game Boy Advance SP. My whole family got food poisoning. And the only saving grace for that trip that kept me sane was playing Super Mario World. Well, again, I was trying to round out my list and um, I found some Pokemon related Christmassy songs and some Animal Crossing Christmassy songs. But this one certainly takes the cake. It is a montage of Super Mario World themes with popular Christmas songs overlaid onto it. Oh, So wow. it's this ridiculous three-minute remix. It's not techno, techno, techno-e yeah. in nature. But yeah, just the the seamless blending of Super Mario World songs with Christmas songs definitely makes for a fitting holiday tune. Intriguing. So what do you say we take a listen? Let's do it. All righty.
So yeah, just a little surprising <laughs> how well that works. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I did not expect that at all. Uh, when you said it was overlaid, I didn't expect it to be as jazzy as it was. Mm-hmm. And like the background of the Yoshi and like some of those themes to play so well. Mm-hmm. Like I love me some saxophone because uh, I think I played the sax, like the sexy sax guy on here before. And then I love the trumpet. Like I love jazz is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I'm blown away by <laughs> i did not expect that at all <laughs> yeah so if you're interested in more similar renditions like that the youtube channel is called the one ups all one word and they've done all kinds of renditions like that very jazz um jazzy themed if you will like i'm on their youtube channel now it's double dragon final fantasy 6 bucky o'hare mega man 2 f-zero donkey kong country like so many different games, really interesting, um, jazzy kind of renditions of classic video game tunes. So check them out. Uh, that song, I thought I could not not play that as my fifth and final song for this holiday edition of Memory of Melodies. Yeah, that's great. So hopefully everyone enjoyed tuning in, listening to the tracks, dancing along with Ryan and I. We certainly had some good fun doing it. And as a reminder, we said it at the top of the episode, but our gift exchange, our annual Otaku Brothers gift exchange, I think this is the fourth or third time we've done started this. started, what, May? May of so 2018. Be... So 18, 19, 20, 20. This is our fourth Christmas exchange. Wow. And then we also had a few birthday ones in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So look forward to that YouTube video. I'll be posting it on the Discord. I will be posting it to my Ari Lewis 2011 uh, YouTube channel here probably next weekend once I get that edited and uh, Lauren creates a fun little thumbnail for us. So be on the lookout for that. If you have any Christmassy tunes from video games or otherwise, send them up, just post them on the Discord. All right, tis the season, my friends. And yeah, I think that was a fun episode. It was, yeah, a lot of fun. It's always fun to hear like the different takes that we do when it comes to our songs. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. A, a nice eclectic mix, yes, if you sure. will. So uh, moving forward the next couple of weeks, again, Ryan and I are going to release this episode in a week from now. And then next weekend, if we can squeeze in an episode and there are any notable takeaways from the Game Awards, we'll definitely talk about that. Maybe yeah. give an update on Valhalla and Final Fantasy VII Remake progress. Yeah. That should be good. And then as we get closer to the Christmas time Ryan and I are going to take some time off of work during that time frame, and we will be uploading or recording and uploading our 2021 Game of the Year special. It's always a fun episode to record. It's always a big episode because we also include the Community Game of the Year Award special categories. And so if you want to get in on that action, Ryan and I have six unique award categories All of those details are in our Discord, so be sure, if you're not there, click the link in the show notes, join the Discord, find that little section, it's Community Game of the Year channel, in our Discord, where we talk about all the details. We are also giving away a $35 eShop gift card for those that choose to participate. If you submit your Game of the Year award list to our email at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com, you are entered for a chance to win that eShop gift card. Get yourself something nice around the holidays. Maybe get yourself or get a friend something nice on the old digital storefronts for Switch and 3DS. But that's about all of the end of the show things that I want to plug and shout out. It's about that time, Ryan, where I have to toss things over to you 
and say, do you have any parting words or fun facts? I do. As always, I actually had two. um, I can kind of go through the one quickly and then one that just makes me laugh. So um, my first one is about kind of Gandalf and him becoming a Maiar or a wizard. Mm. Um, So this is from the Unfinished Tales. So there's the Samarillion, which is, I think, finished by Christopher Tolkien, Tolkien's son. And it's kind of weaved together to have like an overall narrative or like a history. Whereas the Unfinished Tales are basically a compilation of unfinished works that are just basically face value. Mm. So they're not like a cohesive story. It's just his thoughts and world building. Well, in that Unfinished Tales book, I think I bought in Colorado yeah. when we were out there. Yeah. yeah so really interesting. And the first thing is, so the Valar are basically, so the hierarchy of the angels and the gods of the Tolkien universe is Eru, Iluvatar is the god, and then under that are the Valar. And the Valar are broken into basically two levels, um, but the Valar are the like kind of god pantheon, and then under that are kind of the angel level, where Gandalf is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Belrogs are also kind of angel level. But... When they were kind of looking for guides in Middle-earth, the leader of the Valar, Manway, uh, personally chose Gandalf to head over to Middle-earth to kind of guide um, the people. And at first, Gandalf actually refused. And he's like, hey, I don't want to go there. Um, he was afraid of Sauron's power. Mm. Or, yeah, Sauron's power. And then Manway, like, picture Zeus, was basically like, hey, no, that's your kind of humility and fear is exactly why you're perfect for this job. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just a cool fact. It is. Um, coming out of the really early ons of like the first age. Well, I do have a question for you with that in mind. So of the Tolkien God Pantheon hierarchy, where do you think Vin Diesel fits into that? I mean, he's, he's probably head of the family. So he's probably Garu Iluvatar's brother. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's up there All right. yeah, for sure. All right. And then the second one, this kind of, I just brought this up because it made me laugh when I saw an Instagram post. Um, I, I showed you before this. It's kind of a sketch cartoon on a account called Hecken, H-E-C-K-N underscore casual. And it's little sketches. Um, and he, just picture a little kid going, go back, go back to the shadow. And it kind of made me laugh. And going back into that line in the movie, there's a lot of different pieces to what Gandalf says when he's on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, um, Doom, fel- uh, fending off the Belrog. So I'm just going to go through that line. He says, "I am a servant of the sac- or secret fire," and the secret fire is actually what Eru Iluvatar used in the beginning of the Samarillion to create everything, Whoa. and that is what uh, Sauron or Sauron or Melkor, his master were trying to steal. Uh, Melkor was unable to create anything because he didn't have the power of the secret fire, and that's what he was searching for. Mm. He went out to the void and looked all around, but ultimately, um, that's a power for Eru. Interesting. So Gandalf is referencing that kind of deep cut deep cut to the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So he's a servant of Eru Iluvatar, wielder of the flame of on- Onor, which um, Gandalf was given one of the elven rings of power. And that is the flame of Anor. I says, you cannot pass. The darkness fire will not avail you. Flame of Udun. 
And Flame of Undoon is... Flame of Undoon! <laughs> Flame of Undoon! <laughs> Go back to the shadow! <laughs> oh, so, dude. Uh, Flame of Undoon is one of the names for the Belrog. So he's basically like, go back, or your darkness will not help you prevail. Belrog, Durin's Bane, Flame of Udun. He could have called him a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it, there's so much going on in that sentence, I think it was just cool to break it down. Dude, Lord of the Rings is so great. There's so much depth to it if you want to go to that level. There really is. And I'm sure most listeners do. And even if you don't, well, Ryan's here to provide the educational lesson regardless. And that's why you get to stay to the end of the show, because this is an educational program. <laughs> Ryan always has the fun facts, and we have to fade out the show with good tunes. So thank you, everyone, once again so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we appreciate all of the support, even if you just tune into the episode and you're not in the Discord. But we'd love to have you there, so click that little link in the show notes. Join our Discord. Join the fun discussions. We're always having them. But until next time, my friends, we'll be back either next week or the week after to talk about the Game Awards and our Game of the Year discussion It should be really good time. Stay healthy, keep playing the great video games, and we will see you very soon. Yeah, have a great holiday season. 